0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Man, if you will, today we're going to and to me personally, it seemed like it's been more than just a couple weeks since we've been here in our series, our discipleship series. And we left off a couple weeks ago in a lesson concerning the gifts of the spirit and uh, taking that into consideration concerning our maturity uh, in the Lord and being a member of the body of Christ, understanding that. Uh, Those gifts can and uh, should operate within our lives and within the life of the local assembly. And so with that in mind, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And as a uh, starting point or a springboard again, we want to read the first 11 verses of that chapter to give us some some basis and bearing to go from this morning. A couple weeks ago, we spoke uh, in particular about uh, the gifts of the spirit that that had to do with revelation or knowledge the to know gifts of the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom and a discerning of spirits. And so we want to continue speaking about the other six this morning and uh, hopefully, undoubtedly, undoubtedly we will uh, finish this lesson today. So first Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number one, the Bible says now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye you know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are diversities of administrations or differences rather of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, divers kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these work of that one and the self same spirit. Dividing to every man severally as he will again we're going to continue talking about the gifts of the spirit today we have six more to cover uh, that's under the heading of two groups Uh, so we're going to look at that this morning and we're going to pray that the Lord will help us for the next few moments that he would enlighten our minds as we look to the word of the Lord amen for instruction and guidance concerning these things father I love you today you are so kind to us Lord and we're appreciative Lord of that kindness God of the love that you have shown toward us I pray Jesus today Help us in this hour, Lord, as we understand your word and apply it to our individual lives, that, Lord, even the function, Lord, of the gifts of the Spirit are crucial, Lord, to the body of the church, Lord Jesus, and us personally, I pray, O oh Lord, today, help us, God, to pray and covet, Lord, those best gifts. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen and amen. God bless you this morning in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, as I said, we've already covered the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge and discerning of spirits. Amen. A couple of weeks ago. But I wish to continue today uh, speaking of these gifts that are for the body of Christ and primarily for the edification, the edification of the church, the building up of the church, their purpose. And so with that in mind, let's go to another group, another group of gifts of three. Uh, That may be under the heading or the umbrella known as the gifts of utterance. The gifts of utterance may also be known as the to speak gifts. The gifts of utterance. The first in that list that I wish to uh, speak about this morning or teach about today is the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. Now the gift of prophecy, it is an anointed utterance, of course, that comes from God. But the thing with prophecy is this prophecy can be either forth or foretelling. It can be either forth telling or foretelling. Whenever prophecy is forthtelling, uh, it is proclaiming or it is exhorting and announcing a message uh, to be shared under the inspiration of the Lord Jesus Christ. This proclamation or this exhortation of a message may come by means through uh, even preaching and teaching, or maybe someone's witness or someone's testimony uh, to an, another individual. In essence, when we do these things, we are. Forth telling, we are proclaiming, we are exhorting, we're announcing a message, even that message being the word of the Lord. And so, every time that we come into the house of the Lord and there is preaching, there is uh, by virtue of it being forth telling, there is prophecy that is going forth. Uh, Not to mention, even that much of scripture uh, relayed in scripture are the prophecies, some that have already come to pass, some that are still yet to come to pass. But even your witness to another individual is an announcement of a message. It is a prophecy in certain terms. When we read in the book of Acts 19, we understand that The apostle came across uh, some individuals that had been uh, disciples of John. Uh, They were people of Ephesus, and uh, it's in that dialogue of he with them that uh, they have this discussion about whether they received the Holy Ghost since they believed, and the Bible, of course, speaks that they had not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost, and then he begins talking to them about their baptism. Well, when that whole scenario is said and done, they they are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidence, By speaking in other tongues. And the Bible says plainly in verse number six that they spoke in tongues and prophesied and some people are kind of taken back by that idea that they would speak in tongues and prophesy. but remember again prophecy in one branch of its understanding and terminology is a forth telling, a proclamation announcement of a message and so these people spoke in tongues and they uh, very quickly then uh, became witnesses in their testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ which we all are called to do once we've been born again of the water and of the spirit. And so there is one branch of prophecy that is forth And then there is another branch of prophecy is probably what people's minds more steer toward when we talk about prophecy or the gift of prophecy. And that is foretelling and foretelling uh, different, of course, than foretelling. But foretelling is that proclamation or the announcement of an event. Something that's to take place that has not taken place as of yet. It is something that is still yet out there in the future, some type of future situation that's going to come about. And uh, most of the time, whenever we talk about, uh, you know, being in a service and someone prophesied uh, more times than not, we're talking about someone speaking uh, to some future event that is going to happen or uh, uh, that's going to approach in the near future or maybe distant future. But nonetheless, it's something that has not happened yet. And we see this also demonstrated in the word of the Lord, as I've already mentioned several times. Uh, Even the prophets, major and minor of the Old Testament, many of them spoke about things that they didn't even know about, if that makes sense. They spoke about things they didn't know about because it was divinely inspired. Uh, we have several scriptures in Isaiah. Isaiah speaks even about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ that would happen hundreds of years later. But the spirit of prophecy was upon him and the gift of prophecy was in him to be able to foretell, amen, that a virgin shall con- a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and and shall call his name, you know, wonderful counselor, mighty God. Father Isaiah, even in chapters like 53 and 54, he even then bespeaks in prophecy the inspired of God of a suffering servant which we come to know To be Jesus Christ and the actions of what took place on the cross. Uh, The government going to be upon his shoulders. With his stripes will be healed. All those things are prophetic words in the scripture. Even in the book of Acts we have prophecy. Um, The apostle Paul in the book of Acts chapter 21. He is on his way and on a journey. He wants to get to Jerusalem. And yet there is a man there who is a prophet. His name is Agabus. And the Bible says that he foretold uh, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost what was going to happen to Paul if he continued in his journey to Jerusalem. The Bible says that he took a, a, a girdle, that which went around uh, the waist of an individual, he took a girdle and he bound his hands and his feet with this girdle. And he said, whosoever's girdle that this is, he said, will be bound hand and feet whenever they're in Jerusalem. And the individual's girdle who he had, it belonged to the Apostle Paul. And so this was a means of prophecy, speaking of something that would happen for the Apostle Paul, that he would be bound hands and feet. And the interesting thing about that is uh, some people thought then Paul shouldn't go to Jerusalem as a result of that. Uh, But nonetheless, Paul went. Because he knew it was the will of God for him to go regardless of what was going to happen to him there. He knew it was God's will to go unto Jerusalem. And so we have been both of these types of things in the gift of prophecy. Amen. The fourth telling and the foretelling. Telling, and whenever individual uses these things, uh, they 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 will speak in the common language of 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 their culture and of their place. Amen. And and uh, to specific to their their church or their congregation, uh, the vocabulary that they have been endowed with as an individual, they will use for the purpose. Amen. Of prophesying. Amen. Into God's people for the edification then of God's people. And here is something I think maybe goes without saying, but Let's underscore this this morning, and that is this true prophecy is always consistent and harmonious with the word of God. True prophecy is not going to contradict God's word. All right. It's not going to contradict God's word. And so that's kind of uh, in in certain means the litmus test for prophecy. If it's in harmony with God's word and as with any of the gifts and and I I may have uh, said this two weeks ago, as with any of the gifts. Their purpose is not to replace God's word. Their purpose is to complement the word of the Lord. They are to complement the word of the Lord and come along uh, beside it, not to contradict, not to diminish, but complement it. Amen. So anything that is said, uh, the prophecy uh, is is absolutely under service to the word God. Of the Lord, and for that matter, Amen. The the the, the teaching and, and the pastor of that particular assembly, who that whoever that is that God has put in the hierarchy of the church, Amen. They they work uh, together because remember uh, these five fivefold that we spoke about in the Book of Ephesians of pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles, right, and evangelists. All these all these work together for the perfecting of the saints. And so uh, these gifts even that come into play in the life of the church. is is for the moving alone and the embatterment of the overall church body. Amen. And again, it brings edification. If I can share with you 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3 and verse number 5, here's what the scripture says. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, to build them up, and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth, edifieth the church. Look what the scripture says now. Now now here, the Bible says in verse number five, I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied for greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. And we'll talk about diverse type of tongues and interpretation of tongues in just a moment. But the scripture is relaying to us that prophecies for edification, for comfort, for exhortation. And that prophecy beats, if you will, if you want to say it like that, is greater than uh, the speaking in tongues or the divers kind of tongues when that is used by itself. Because divers kind of tongues by themselves is just for self edification and doesn't edify the body. The only time that it edifies the body is when there is an interpretation, amen, going along with the uh, speaking in tongues or the diverse kind of tongues. And so the gift of prophecy then absolutely edifies the body. It teaches us sometimes some things by what is said and what is spoken. It comforts us, amen, with perhaps some things that are ahead and down the road, amen. And again, any of these gifts can And have been sadly uh, misused and abused from time to time. Uh, But that does not negate their necessity and essentiality within the body of Christ, within the church. The Bible tells us in Thessalonians that we are not to despise, despise not. It says despise not prophesying. And so uh, just because, again, someone has a misuse does not negate the fact that we should use. All right. So despise not prophesying prophesying, but the Bible tells us as well, and this concerns prophets, but this concerns any of the gifts, amen, of the spirit in 1 in, in Corinthians 12 and 14, and that is this, the, the spirit of the prophet is subject unto the prophet. What that means is, amen, an individual can exercise to use or refrain from exercising that. You say, Brother McGee, that's impossible. No, it's not impossible. I know. Sometimes I've heard people uh, that God was going to use them in uh, divers kinds of tongues, giving them what we call in the church, giving a message in tongues, and uh, and 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 sometimes they just said, well, it just overcame me, and I, I just, I just, I just couldn't hold it in. I just had to. Well, the real fact of the matter, you could hold it if you had to. Or if it wasn't the right time, because the Bible says to quench, not the spirit. So you have the ability. To hold back and we got to let these gifts operate in their proper timing. Uh, You may be feeling something in the moment, but the moment may not be the exact time that it needs to come forward. And that's the reason why in the giving of the gifts of the spirit, not only are there diverse gifts, but there is uh, uh, differences in administration All right, differences in administration, a difference in operation. Uh, I've been in places where gifts are going to be used, and uh, the leader or the pastor of that assembly uh, have asked people uh, that whatever you're feeling right now, this person was going to be using the gift, what you're feeling is right, but it's not right now. It might have been right in the middle of their message and the timing uh, that 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 leader of the church felt was not quite yet. And then later opened the floor for them to follow through with what they felt. And everything, as scripture says, even in in first Corinthians 12 and 14, everything needs to be done decently and in order. All right. And so the, the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And uh, again, yeah, there's use and misuse. That's the reason why we see in Scripture that one prophesies, two or three prophesy, and there's another that judge, the Scripture says. And so we're, we're, we're considering these things. We want there to be proper use concerning the gift of prophecy. And it has been used tremendously uh, within the church and within the lives of individuals. Amen. It's been very, very beneficial to the edification, the building up of the church. But then there is another uh, gift of utterance called divers kinds of tongues. Diverse kinds of tongues. And again, this is this is a spiritual utterance uh, by the Holy Ghost through an individual in a language that they have not learned, that they have not understood. And again, it's for the purpose of the edification of the church. And it is to be ultimately paired with the gift of interpretation. Uh, we spoke early on whenever we talked about uh, speaking in tongues as being the initial evidence of someone receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that that differs from this diverse kind of tongues. Uh, number one, uh, a person that's used in the gift of divers kinds of tongues has already received the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right. And so uh, if, if, if they are being used in this gift, they've all received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. And so uh, it's not to be confused whenever someone if this is the first time that ever about anyone has ever spoken tongues. I, I'm telling you that they're not being used in the gift. They're receiving the gift. Of the Holy Ghost uh, for their very first for their very first time. And so uh, what we see in scripture, though, sometimes and this, this is where uh, teaching and instruction comes from the word of the Lord is that sometimes uh, a person, you know, prays in the spirit. The Bible speaks about praying in the spirit and sometimes even in our church services, people pray in the spirit or even praise God, Uh, you know, even maybe sing in the spirit and Sometimes the difficulty for an individual and this comes through experience is discerning when they are just personally being blessed by God amen by speaking in tongues or when the Lord has some type of message that he wants to convey by tongues that necessitates an interpretation of what is said and i would dare to say that in our churches sometimes that whenever tongues have went forth and uh, there has been no interpretation that perhaps in some of those moments, I'm not saying all of them, not painting with a broad brush here, but in some of those moments, people have misunderstood that the Lord was just kind of blessing them in the moment and they were just to have a time of prayer, of praying in the Spirit unto the Lord, and it was for personal edification rather than collective body edification. But again, that edification with speaking in tongues or a message in tongues can only happen when there is an interpreter, when there's an interpretation that comes forth. Otherwise it's unfruitful because those that are there in the audience, they don't know what's being said unless whatever you're speaking is another tongue of somebody that's a bilingual that in the audience understands, but it's unfruitful. Amen. For the the greater population of, of the people. And so, um, the Bible tells us that he that speaks in an unknown tongue speak not unto man, but they speak unto God, and so no man understand him, howbeit the Spirit he speaketh in ministries. Again, when he speaks in unknown tongue, he's edifying himself. But these two gifts of diverse kind of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, uh, they are complementary to one another. They they share in part, they they are to be used collectively together. All right to believe, to be used collectively together. And when they are edification comes to the body of Christ. Amen. All right. The Bible speaks concerning the interpretation of a message in tongues. And I'm probably going to be jumping back and forth between diverse type of tongues and interpretation of tongues. But a person and if you've ever had this uh, happen to you, you know, what I speak is true. That uh, that person that has the uh, giving a message in tongues, they they just feel an unction of the spirit of the Lord. And many times there will be a I call it a holy pause. There's just a holy uh, pause common that takes place in the service that gives way for the operation of this gift. And and they begin to speak in another tongue as the Spirit of the Lord guides and directs them. And uh, it, it may come sometimes... Uh, And you can almost as a congregation, if you're not the one giving it, you can almost feel like something is about ready to happen or something is on the, the verge of taking place. And the Bible gives us some administration and operation concerning this. It says, let it be done by two or by three and that by course. And then the scripture tells us, let one interpret. And so uh, if there's a message in tongues that goes forth and there's no interpreter and then there's another that goes forth and there's no interpreter, at most there should be three and then there should be one that should interpret that course, if you will, of tongues messages. And so in tandem with that then comes that interpretation of tongues. And it's important today that it's the gift of interpretation of tongues and not the gift of the translation of tongues. All right, Uh, because there is a difference between translation and interpretation. Interpretation of tongues is not a word for word translation. Interpretation of tongues is revealing the idea or the thought or the intent of the message. It's bringing interpretation to what was spoken rather than word by word translation. Uh, The the best uh, example I can give to this. And this wasn't a message in tongues, but uh, it was to, to differentiate between translation and uh, interpretation. In the book of Daniel, chapter number 5, uh, in, in verse number 26, but I want to start a little back, actually, verse number 24. This is when Belshazzar was having... Uh, uh, Kind of a party, and they were some of them were getting drunk, and there came a hand out of nowhere and began to write upon the wall. And the Bible says in verse twenty-four, then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this was the this writing was written. Verse twenty-five, and this is the writing that was written: Mene, "Mane, mane, you farson. All right, and so look at verse twenty-six, and this is the interpretation. Of the thing we're gonna see the interpretation of the thing. Daniel was brought in uh, to give some insight and enlighten people concerning the interpretation. What what was the idea, the thought, the, in, the intent of the message? Now I'm gonna to read to you the interpretation, but before I do, I'm gonna tell you what the translation, all right, of these individual words are. All right. Mene means numbered, teko means weighed, eupharsan means divided. So literal, uh, literal translation would be numbered, numbered, weighed, divided. But Daniel comes in with the interpretation, revealing the idea, the thought, uh, the concept of the message. And he writes in the Bible, writes in verse 25, and this is the writing or in verse 26. And this is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting Uh, There is, which is For you, Farson, the kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And so Daniel gives the interpretation of the message that is given with the writing on the wall. And so that kind of differentiates for us the the difference between translated translation interpretation. Amen. Even whenever it comes to a, a message that is given in tongues and the interpretation of that tongues. And again, it will flow through the individual that gives the message or the interpretation that is of the tongues. It'll flow through the their personality, uh, the education that they have, the speech, uh, the vocabulary that their mind has uh, access to, amen, all right? Meaning that if it came through another individual, it may sound just a little differently, but the overall bird's eye message would be the same. Uh, One person may say attractive, another person may say pretty, but the intent of the message is the same. All right. But it's all according to the personality and the education and the speech. Amen. Of the individual. And again, it is consistent with the word of God. Amen. It's consistent with the word of God. Uh, years ago, there was a tongues interpretation. Everything went along and they kind of finished it up with have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Well, you know, uh, know when God's spirit has finished and when your flesh may take over. All right. I don't think God is necessarily interested in the Merry Christmas, although we revere his birth on December the 25th. That's not really when he was born, actually, a pagan. So you understand what I'm saying. Amen. And so we need to be uh, sensitive to the spirit of the Lord to which the gift belongs. Uh, there was another time, folks, I'm telling you, stuff's been misused. So you got stories, right? Uh, that start out like uh, thou thinkest thou art a humdinger, but thou art not. But, you know. Uh, Again, these things by and large is for edification, the structuring, the exhortation, amen, of the body of Christ, the power, amen, the power gifts. Moving on today. I got to move on. We got to we need to finish up today so we can get on to our next lesson next Sunday. The power gifts or the gifts for acting. Acting. Uh, To act gifts, the gift of faith, uh, gifts of healing, the gift of miracles. And when we talk about the gift of faith, we're talking about this measure of faith that is above and beyond what every individual is given. Because the Bible teaches us in the book of Romans that everybody has a measure of faith. Everybody has a measure of faith, but this is a gift of faith. This is a measure of faith that's above and beyond just the measure that everyone has been given. In Scripture, it, there's, there's times that the Bible talks about little faith. It's talk, uh, talking about no faith. Hey Amen. It, it talks about great faith, but this is a measure above and beyond where a person has uh, the ability to trust in God or to uh, inspire Uh, A gift of faith may not just be your personal trust in him, but it may be your ability to uh, inspire trust in God uh, to other people. All right. The gift of faith operates like that. The scripture even says in the book of Mark chapter number two that there were four friends, four people that were carrying a man that was paralytic. The Bible says that the house was full where Jesus was. There was not room for anybody else to get in. And the Bible says they ripped off the roof to let this paralytic man down. And the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith. And their faith, no doubt, was inspiring faith of others, but he saw their faith, and as a result of seeing their faith, he acted upon this man that was a paralytic, and he got up and was able then to walk as a result of this encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. But it was somebody else's faith that got him there that tore off that roof and got him down into the building so sometimes the gift of faith is the inspiration of, of, of cultivating a high level of faith in the other people in a congregation or that is around you uh, we know that faith is a part of our everyday lives the Bible says in Hebrews that no man cometh to God you don't come to God except you believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him right but we Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But this is a over and above type of faith. It's a gift of faith. Uh, The gift of faith was exercised in the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years. That as Jesus is going to uh, Jairus' house to minister to his daughter that was at the point of death, uh, the Bible speaks of this lady that had the issue of blood for 12 years and uh, she's weak, she's anemic no doubt from this and she seems to be crawling through the crowd and to herself she is saying, if I may just but touch the hem of his garment. Her fate was I don't even have to make contact with his flesh. But if I can just make contact with what's in contact with him, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, and as a result of that, the fount of her blood was dried up when she touched his hem, her faith. And her faith inspired others' faith. Because then later in the same book, we see that whenever Jesus came to a particular city, they're dragging out all these people that are sick and diseased and have unclean spirits. For what reason? With hopes that they might just touch the hem. Of his garment. Amen. And so whenever the gift of faith is in operation. Amen. uh, It's oftentimes in operation when we're facing things in our life. Such as tragedy or danger or severe illness. Or uh, accidents. Fearful happenings that may be happening in our life. Or in our world. And it's in those situations that may seem impossible to overcome that the gift of faith may arrive or arise in that particular situation. Amen. But the gift of faith just isn't for miracles, all right? It's not just for miracles. For somebody that had cancer and has it no more, it's not not just for that. Because we see the gift of faith operating greatly in the gifts of healing and the working of miracles. But it's not just for that. It's also sometimes faith is there just to provide strength provide the forthrightness just to keep going whenever it seems like there's no hope in a situation. This is this is no better illustrated than in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter, the hall of fame of faith that that we read about Abraham, you know, starting on his journey, going to a country that he knew not what. And all these different things concerning faith. And it talks to us how uh, the mouth of lions were stopped. And the violence of fire was quenched. And uh, women received their dead raised to life again. All these things. And we're like, phew, faith, 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 faith. But faith is also illustrated in verse 35 after that when it says women received their dead raised to life again. But then it comes to this moment. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. In other words, they didn't get their deliverance. They didn't get their healing. Amen. They were sown asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Yet all of these in verse 39, the Bible says, having obtained a good report through faith. So the people that seen their sons brought to life again, faith. Those who the violence of fire was quenched, faith. But likewise was faith in those that had their disease and their dilemma, but their trust was squarely still yet upon the Lord. They had their heartache and their woe, but they understood that their strength came from God, and they said, I have faith in God regardless. Folks, you want to talk about a great faith. It's a great faith whenever nothing happens, but you still have your trust in him. Amen. You still have your trust in him. And so faith sometimes, this gift is given to inspire, amen, others that are around us that feel distraught and hopeless and overwhelmed with life's circumstances. Amen. We got to have a faith primarily. Here it is. Not faith in a man, not faith in a church, but our faith must be in God. Our faith must be in God, squarely in God. There's other things that come alongside us in the church that help us focus our faith, right? We we, we have a prayer clause, just as they did in the book of Acts, that we anoint with oil, we pray over them, people can send them, amen, maybe to a sick, sick relative that's in their home or in the hospital. All that is is a tool by means which we can help focus our faith. When we lay People, hands on people to pray for them. That's biblical. That's scriptural in James, anointing them with oil, right? Laying hands on them, praying the prayer of faith. But in many ways, that's just a way for people to focus their faith because there were people throughout scripture that never had a hand even laid on them. And they were healed or a miracle took place. Jesus sent his word sometimes and they were healed. Amen. And that took place. It's just a means of focusing our faith. Amen. In God. Hallelujah going on today. Speaking about the gift of faith, it works in tandem many times with the gifts, plural there, gifts of healing. All right. The gifts of healing. And so the gifts of healing are in operation mostly whenever the cause or the reason for a disease or affliction is removed. All right. Because anytime you have the source removed, then healing can happen. And so Uh, Whenever this takes place, these gifts, these gifts of healing, uh, they, they may operate, manifest themselves perhaps a little differently here, a little differently there. But healing can occur when believers lay hand on the sick. We have that in the scripture, Mark 16 and verses 17 and 18. The Bible says, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall lay hands on the sick. And what shall happen? And they shall recover. Healing can happen, as I've alluded to in James 5. Whenever the elders of the church is called forth, in verse 14, is any sick among you? Amen. Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil, right? In the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if they have committed any sin, they shall be forgiven him. Amen. And so we have the gifts of healing in operation Amen. And this happens through the body of Christ. Amen. Through the body of Christ, along with all the other spiritual gifts, this happens. Amen. But it is it, these gifts of healing are unique. They are over and above what normally uh, would occur in the church or what would normally occur in your life. This is not. This is not uh, you breaking your arm and you waiting the six to eight weeks to get your cast on. Bless God, they're healed. That's that's what we're talking about. Amen. Uh, necessarily uh, because you've had the cast and stuff. We're talking about something that takes place on the level that may be uh, somewhat inexplicable, but the the source and the issue has been. Taken away. Healing sometimes, and people may beg to differ how we look at this, but healings can be spontaneous or gradual. I would call a healing that's spontaneous a miracle, all right? Because if your arm was broke yesterday and you leave church today and you have mobility with it and you went and got an x-ray and it's no longer broke, yeah, that's a healing that's taken place in a very quick time, but at the same time, since it is, not the normal set pattern since it isn't gradual like it normally be uh, I would call that a miracle uh, that 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 goes be above and beyond the restorative work happened in an instant all right uh, compared to the previous condition and so we have gifts of healing that take place in scripture uh, for instance uh, and, and, and again, it's how scripture terms it, even the lame man that sat at the the, the, the gate, beautiful, uh, whenever he was touched and able to walk, even in scripture, the Bible calls that that he was healed, the lame man that was healed. Healed. And in many regards, he was. But I I believe that healing was a miraculous healing. He was born that way and could never even walk. And there were many that were healed in the city of Samaria when Philip was there and people receiving the Holy Ghost. The Bible says they were healed. The father of Publius uh, in Acts chapter 28. And many others on the island of Melita, the Bible speaks of that they were healed when Paul prayed for them. So there's gifts of healing that takes place. And then there is also then the third of the uh, power gifts, and that is the gift of working of miracles, working of miracles. Some event that happens that contradict every law uh, known of nature, right? Whenever people wag their head in amazement that I just can't believe that took place. Right. Whenever you're diagnosed and you got three weeks to live and you live for 10 more years. Huh? The miraculous that takes place. And so God is still a miracle working God. God is still performing those type of things today. But, but the, the working of miracles may not just be in the in the element of our physical bodies. All right. It may not just be an element of our physical bodies. Uh, lives have been spared in accidents that those that arrive on the scene would tell you this is a miracle that they was able to walk away from that. People have acquired jobs in moments in which they just, in the moment that they absolutely dead needed it, right? And it was a miraculous. Babies have been born from infertile wombs. That's the miraculous. Marriages have been saved that were absolutely hanging on by a thread of being just totally disassembled. That is the working of miracles. Financial needs have come forth for families. They didn't have the money. They didn't have anybody that they knew that had the money. But God has a check show up in the mail from somebody, you know, often some distant, you know, state that knew nothing about their circumstance. That is the working of a miracle. The dead being brought back to life again. All of this is the working of miracles. It's not just to the physical body or the physical mind. Amen. But it's all these different things that could be classified as the working of miracles. In the book of Acts we have Eutychus that fell out of the third law and he was taken up as dead but he was brought back to life Dorcas in Acts 9 also was brought back to life here's a miracle right it has nothing to do with healing Philip after he'd been ministering in in Samaria the Bible begins to speak to him about a man that's off in a a, a kind of a desert land that's in his chariot he's reading the scripture but he's not understanding it and the Bible says that Philip was transported from Samaria to uh, Azotus, and it's just like he was just transported. I know they're trying to work on transportation today like that, but Philip was the first. He was transported. That was miraculous, and ministered then to that man of Ethiopia. All right, Peter escaped from prison uh, along with the aid of angelic visitation. That is a miracle. Paul and Silas at midnight singing praises and praying to God, right? The jail, the earthquake, the doors open. That is the working of miracles. Amen. So those are the working of miracles. But here we need not to fall trapped to today, society over large. And that is this. We don't need to fall in the vein of following after miracles. All right? Following after miracles. We, the miracle worker, is the Lord. The miracle worker is the Lord. Uh, The Lord may use individuals in the gifts of the working of miracles, but they do not, they don't have the power in themselves to do the work. The work is in the spirit to which the gift belongs. And so we don't need to follow miracles. We need to follow the miracle worker. And I'm not talking about a human being. I'm talking about the Lord. I'm talking about our God. Amen. Because we live in a day of sensational seekers. We don't want to get caught in the trap of following the sign. The, the Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe, right? And the Lord spoke to the Jews of that day. He said, it's a wicked and perverse generation that seeketh a sign. He said, there's not going to be a sign given you except for that which was already given, which was Jonah. Three days and three nights in the in the, in the the belly of, of, of the fish. And he was alluding then to the fact that he was going to be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Your sign is the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sign is the great God Almighty that walked in flesh as Jesus. And so we don't want to follow miracles per se. We want to follow after the Lord. We don't want to be sensational seekers. Follow the Lord. All right? Follow the Lord. And here's one of the reasons why we don't want to get caught up in that type of dynamic. Because in the last days, in the last days, the Bible even speaks about the spirit of Antichrist. It's already at work in the world. But whenever the Antichrist actually comes, and when these things start to come to fruition, they're going to be doing signs and wonders and works. And so if you're just a miracle follower... What's going to keep you from being ensnared by what is false, huh? Rather than the true, you need Him and use that other gift called the discerning of spirits, Amen. To see whether this thing be of God, because for anything that is genuine, there is there is there is a counterfeit that's going to arise, and there can't be a counterfeit unless there was a genuine to begin with. All right, and so we got to keep these things in mind. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Matthew 24, verse 24, For there shall arise, here it is, false Christ and false prophets, and shall shew great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Look at Matthew 7 and verse 22 and verse 23. Jesus is speaking. He said, Many will say to me in that day, talking about the day of his coming, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name... Done many wonderful works, and when and then will I profess in them? I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. All that comes down to this. So, you have faith, you have trust in His name to do all these things. But, faith and listen, faith and the gifts of the Spirit do not replace obedience. Amen. Faith and the gifts of the Spirit do not. Do not replace obedience. The Bible speaks of the church at Corinth that they came behind in none of the gifts. But if you read the book of Corinthians, there was a lot. There was a lot of shady immorality that was going on in the church. So being used in the gifts doesn't necessarily denote spirituality for you. Well, <laughs> Because again, the gifts belong to the spirit. Amen. Well, glory, hallelujah. So faith does not replace obedience. You can cast out devils and you can be used in the word of prophecy, but you also got to be obedient to the thou shalt not and the thou shouts and the statutes and the commandments and the judgments of God. Amen. And so the working of miracles... Uh, one of the purposes of the work in miracles, of course, is to appoint people to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, to point them to salvation, to point them to the Word of God. Again, many times in Scripture, a miracle was done, a crowd was gathered, and then Peter or Paul, whoever was standing there, then spoke to them the gospel. They spoke to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. All the miracle, in many regards, was for the purpose of gathering the crowd so that they could convey the message about the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ amen and so we're instructed if you're going to follow something these are things that we're instructed to follow in the scripture follow after righteousness godliness faith love patience meekness those things that make for peace and edification follow all those things and I guarantee you this if you follow those there will be glimpses and moments of time in your life that signs and wonders and miracles will automatically follow then that amen but don't be deluded do not be deceived. So we need to work in the miracles in the church. I'm not refuting that. I believe they are still yet. They are still yet for today. Absolutely. They're happening in our day, and I believe that they'll even increase as this as the Lord is coming, uh, grows closer and closer. But again, with all spiritual gifts, keep in perspective. They're under the control and the administration then of those Prophets and, and, and uh, apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists. There is the administration and the operation of them as well. Amen. Some concluding thoughts here. Amen. Today, we read also in like 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 28, speaking of some other non-specific uh, gifts like the gift of helps and the gifts of governments, Gifts of helps is quite broad. As a matter of fact, the word helps there in the Greek means the gifts of aid or the gifts of assistance. Whenever the apostle Paul spoke in Romans, he spoke of two individuals, Priscilla and Aquila. He said, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Amen the gifts of helps maybe something that's overlooked but just the aid and the assistance that people i know people even within this personal assembly that that they aid and assist and they help around here in so many different measures that i would dare to say that they they operate in the gifts of helps in their life and in the gifts of governments, the oversight and the the, the instruction, uh, the the sometimes the business aspect of the church, uh, the gift of government, amen, in those wide range of endowments and ways for those things to be facilitated. But they are still yet gifts as well. The Bible says in First Corinthians 14 and verse number 12, even so, ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Again, use these to bless and to edify the church to the best of our ability. Amen. Build it up. And I'll close with these words this morning uh, as we speak about these things. Again, we're so, to covet the best gifts, right? And then whenever Paul admonishes to to covet the best gifts, let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 28 and 31. I'm trying to close here. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues are all apostles. Of course not. Are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Look now, this is where he says it. But covet earnestly the best gift. Remember, the best gift is the one that is needed in the moment mostly. All right? But covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet, he says, shew I unto you a more excellent way. And that's the last verse of 1 Corinthians 12. And he delves then over into uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which is what we call the love chapter. Love sees no ill, love boasts, puffeth itself not up, love keepeth not record, all this love stuff, right? And then after we have the love chapter, we come to 1 Corinthians 14, and the apostle opens with the first verse, and he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So Paul says, "I shew unto you a more excellent way." What well, are you say him, Paul? I'm telling you this. He says, "It doesn't matter if you give your life to be burned at a stake. It doesn't matter if you prophesy. It doesn't matter if you speak in tongues and interpret that. It doesn't matter any of those things. If you don't operate all these things in love, if you don't have love, then you whatever it is that you're trying to operate in is a shell. It's quite void." Because all these things operate by love. God is love. All these things operate and function predominantly by love. And so love supersedes in that measure. Love then really supersedes all spiritual gifts. Because it is the oil that causes those mechanisms and those gears of those gifts to grind on. Is a spirit of love. Amen. So these things are, these things are real. It's important to have the fruit, the nine fruit of the spirit and the nine gifts of the spirit, the nine fruit of the spirit in every individual's life and the nine gifts of the spirit within the body of the church for its edification. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, folks, that finishes up our gifts of the spirit, part one and part two together today. But we need, if there's ever a time, and I I, uh, implore you to do this, if you're part of this this church, or even otherwise, uh, it should be somewhere tucked into your prayer life that you're asking God uh, to use even you personally. Oh, no, no, Brother McGee. Yes! If you have the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, you can be used in the gifts of the Spirit. You need to ask God, Lord, Lord, use me. Pray those things. Pray that Pray that 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and begin to go through those gifts of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and pray that the Lord would use you, amen, in some way in the gifts of the Spirit for the benefit of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll come together, of course, next Sunday. We're continuing in our discipleship series, and we'll begin talking about next Sunday about uh, prayer and the discipline of prayer in the life of our maturing. Amen for the Lord. Hallelujah. Do not forget we have service here tonight. Amen. At six o'clock in person, in-house service. Amen. Come and be a part of that. I'm going to pray right now in Jesus name. The Lord would help us. Father, I come to you this morning. I'm thankful.